This is Gene Lance on the Workers Beat Extra. When labor does screening for scholarships, I always get a kick out of one question we ask. We ask the kids that are applying for scholarships if they know what AFL-CIO stands for. And generally speaking, they don't. In fact, hardly anybody does. Hardly anybody understands the AFL-CIO and hardly anybody knows where it came from. I'm going to explain what the AFL-CIO is and why I love it. Now, it's important to realize what it's not. It is not a union. Everybody thinks it's a union because it's part of the union movement, but it is not a union. It is a federation of unions, and that's all. A federation of unions doesn't have the money that the unions have, doesn't have the power that the unions have, but it does represent the collective force of the labor movement because it integrates what unions do. Also, people think that the AF of LCIO and all of its bodies should have direct democracy. In other words, if you're at one of the meetings, you should have a vote and that should be the decision that is made. And that's not true, not in the AF of LCIO. The fact is it's a delegated democracy. The delegates that are there were appointed by their unions. And if those unions want to step in and overrule their delegates, they can do that. It's called a per capita vote. In other words, if a union's got 5,000 members and 5,000 votes, they can step in and say, I don't care what our delegates said, we're going to vote our 5,000 votes this way. And that is the democracy of the AF of LCIO. It's a delegated democracy. To understand the AF of LCIO, you might have to take a look at history. The AF of LCIO is not the first labor federation that the United States ever had. That honor goes to the National Labor Federation started by William Silvis right after the Civil War. Just as America became industrialized, just as the industrialists overcame the agriculturalists and began to rule America, the labor movement was born. And William Silvis started the National Labor Federation. He's most famous for just one quote. William Silvis said, I love this union cause. A great quote, but that's about all we remember about him. As soon as he worked himself to death in just a few years, the National Labor Federation died off with him. Following right after that came the Knights of Labor, which was, just as it sounds, a secret society. Now, the Knights of Labor was superior in a lot of ways to later union formations because it was anti-racist. There were a lot of black members in the Knights of Labor, and I think one of the vice presidents was, was African-American. The Knights of Labor had great success in the year 1885 when they defeated railroad baron Jay Gould in a strike that originated in Texas. It was called the Great Southwest Railway Strike. And we won. Our side won. 
Thousands of people started joining the Knights of Labor right after that. However, in 1886, just one, less than one year later, Jay Gould, the railroad baron, broke the contract and started firing people, and then he started killing them. As you know, Jay Gould is famous for just one quote. He said, quote, I can hire half the working class to kill the other half. And that's what he did. By shooting down a bunch of people, he was able to defeat the Knights of Labor. Something else happened that year in 1886. That's when all of the people who were struggling for the eight-hour day got hanged. That was a terrible blow to the Knights of Labor. Most of them were Knights of Labor members. They were also anarchists, and they were revolutionaries. And they got hanged, even though they hadn't done what they were accused of. That became a terrible blow to the labor movement, a gigantic setback, and the leaders of the Knights of Labor decided that they would not fight it, that they would just let it go by. And because of that, people tended to leave the Knights of Labor in droves. In 1882, just before that, a guy named Samuel Gompers, who was a cigar maker, Cigar making was a skilled trade, and Samuel Gomper created a new labor federation. He didn't name it American Federation of Labor until 1886, but in 1886, when the Knights of Labor was going down tragically, going down in flames, you might say, the American Federation of Labor took that name and began to pick up some of the laborers who had been in Knights of Labor. They only picked the craft unionists, the most skilled unionists, the most highly paid unionists, who also, by the way, happened to be men, and nearly all happened to be white. So the AF of L was founded in 1886, more or less, and it was based on the most highly skilled laborers. They were not interested in organizing any janitors or people who toted bales or pulled barges. They were interested in, in only the highest and most skilled part of the workforce. But they were successful and they persevered and did okay. In 1905 they were challenged by another organization called the Industrial Workers of the World formed in Chicago, a revolutionary organization. Now, they did want to organize everybody. Women, African Americans, immigrants, everybody could join the uh, industrial workers of the world. Their idea was to organize everybody and then take over. And they had an effect. The American Federation of Labor hated them. They hated the American Federation of Labor and they worked at cross purposes. It did not come out very well for the uh, industrial workers of the world. They were smashed. They still exist, but at a very, very low level compared to the mighty dreams that they had in 1905. In 1935, something happened in the American Federation of Labor that was a shock. The leader of the mine workers, John L. Lewis, 
tried to get them to organize everybody. He said, we need to do what the industrial workers of the world were trying to do, at least as far as organizing everybody. Organizing by industry rather than by craft. His idea was called industrial unionism. It wasn't new, and the mine workers were already doing it. So John L. Lewis got his way in 1935 at the convention. They started a committee for industrial organizing, CIO. It didn't last long, but they did last long enough to have a tremendous success in Michigan when they organized General Motors. The United Auto Workers was their first great success, and then they went on to start organizing steel and had pretty good success at that. But the leaders of the American Federation of Labor didn't like it. They said, okay, you've organized all these thousands of people. Now let's divide them up into crafts and get rid of the ones that we don't want. The CIO will have none of it. So they uh, got out of the AF of L, or some would say they were kicked out. And they changed their name to Congress of Industrial Organizations, CIO, and existed separately. But the idea of industrial organizing was just too good to pass up. So the CIO went on to organize six or eight million people over the next few years, but so did the AF of L because many of their unions, which had been craft unions, changed to the industrial model and got more members. The machinists is a good example. It's still called the machinist union, but they organize everybody in the factory, not just the machinists. And they picked up a lot of members. So that there were a tremendous number of members that came along up until about 1947, when the government turned against both of the federations, mostly against the CIO, and started kicking people out and uh, set us back on our heels very, very badly. The government intervention that began and was very clear in 1947 began to wear away and tear away at the size of the unions. And in 1955, the CIO agreed to come back and join the AF of L. And that's how you got AF of L hyphen CIO. Write it down. It's the American Federation of Labor hyphen Congress of Industrial Organizations. The people that were in charge at that time were George Meany for the AF of L and Walter Ruther for the CIO. Walter Ruther didn't stick around long. In 1958, he took his union, the United Auto Workers, out of the Federation and didn't get back in until sometime later. At one time, the Federation kicked some people out. At one time or another, different people have gotten out. But in general, the American Federation of Labor hyphen CIO has been the main federation in the United States labor movement all this time. There was one little change called Change to Win, another federation that was started in the early 2000s, and those unions got out of the AF of LCIO saying that they could do more organizing if they got out. 
it didn't really work out for them. And for the most part, they've drifted back into the AFL-CIO by now. The big change came in 1995. For the first time in its 100-year history, the outgoing leadership did not get to pick their successors. They had a little insurgent move led by John Sweeney of the Service Employees International Union, and they took over the union leadership. So it was a, a change. And in 1997, that change became quite evident because they took the anti-communist clause out. Ever since 1947, the CIO had been kicking out the communists. AF of L had always kicked out the communists. So 1997, just in a moment, somebody got up at the convention and said, let's take the anti-communist clause out of the Constitution. I make a motion. Somebody said, I second. And somebody said, all in favor say aye. And they all said aye. That was in 1997. In 1999, they made a, a gigantic change. In 1999, they said, you know, we've been trying to get the government to deport immigrants all through our existence, going all the way back to the Chinese Exclusion Act of the, of the 19th century. We have been saying that immigrants were no good, they're taking our jobs, and that the government should get rid of them. Well, the government has played us on this, it's never worked out for us. And so we need to start organizing immigrants and treating them just like other workers rather than calling for them to be deported. They did it in 1999. It changed drastically. It changed the way the AFL-CIO was going. But the big government attack that started in 1947 continued to wither away the ranks of the AFL-CIO. They had 35% of the workforce organized back in 1947. And today, it's less than 10.5%. And it's not getting much better. That's the history of the AFL-CIO, and that's not why I love it. And I don't love it because it is the most progressive organization in the world. I'm not even sure it is the most progressive organization in the world. You see, unions represent their members. That is the best thing about unions. They represent their members fairly and well. It's also their worst feature because when they represent their members, they may or may not represent the rest of the world. For example, this comes up a lot on environmental issues. If some company wants to put a big honking, stinky, factory right next to your house and it's got a bunch of jobs involved, the union is probably going to support them whether you like it or not because unions always represent their members. It's their basic structure. The members elect the leadership, so why wouldn't the leadership represent their members even if it doesn't go well with everybody else? You really notice this on foreign affairs. Unions are really good on economic questions, but not so great on foreign affairs because what might be good for workers in their particular country might not be good for workers in some other particular country. 
I don't love the AFL-CIO because they're the most progressive organization in the world. I do love the way they have changed since 1995. I think it's just a little short of wonderful. I believe that the AFL-CIO is the very core of the progressive movement. I am proud to be a member. I'm proud that I'm about to be sworn in as the president of the Dallas AFL-CIO, one of the biggest and best of the state of Texas. I love the AFL-CIO because they're always working class. You can say this or that bad thing about them, about what they said or what they did on this or that subject, but you can't take this away from them. They are always working class. The members are all working class. The leadership are all working class. You cannot say that about any other progressive organization in the country. They're nearly all led by lawyers. They're all nearly all led by some kind of professional, some kind of artist, some kind of architect, or some kind of film director or something, some kind of boss, not the AFL-CIO. We're with the workers, we're of the workers, we're in the workers, we are the workers. And that's why I love the AFL-CIO. This is Gene Lance on the Workers Beat Extra.